point of our parable series. We've been going through different parables every week, and we've selected 10 out of the many parables that Jesus told to share throughout the summer. And I pray that it's been challenging for you, uh, and it, but it's helped you grow in your understanding of God and how we can be in relationship with him both individually and uh, as a church together as the body of Christ. And I'm sure you've noticed that there's a repeated focus during all of these parables that we've been talking about. There's a repeated focus on um, knowing God, on the kingdom of God. Jesus kept saying and keeps saying that the kingdom is here, that salvation is here, that something is here for you. And we've often heard the gospel then shared as this, that it's Jesus coming, dying, and rising again, covering our sins. And we hear that. A singular event that we need to accept. Jesus uh, had a much broader view of the gospel, of the good news, of the kingdom. Not of how to enter the kingdom. That was narrow. That was only through him. But of what the kingdom meant and how we're supposed to live it out. It wasn't a one-time decision. It wasn't a one-moment thing that you just move on from. It was the rest of your life. It was a complete and utter change of who you are. A whole new set of governance, of rules that you were supposed to live like, live life of. You're no longer a part of SDG in Ontario and Canada. You are now kingdom citizens of heaven. Meaning that you abide by those rules, those customs. You have one ruler, King Jesus. And our parable today isn't going to leave this path. It's going to stay on that direction. Yet it has some distinctions that are unique for us to take notice of. For instance, this parable is seen as a key to understanding a lot of the other parables. And it's rare that Jesus actually shares the explanation of the parable at the end for us. Also, the parable will make the casual observer second guess why Jesus even shares parables in the first place. And as we have all series, we'll set the stage for it because we want to know what's going on when Jesus talks or when anything's happening in the Bible. And we want to pick out that verse that resonates in our heart. We want to know what's going on deeper behind there so we don't take it out of context and apply it to our lives in a way that God never intended. So what's going on in this situation? Well, if you were to read just before the passage that we're, that we're going to study today, Jesus has just gone through a number of interactions with large crowds, with religious leaders, and they are, uh, the crowds are fascinated by his ability to heal and restore people. They see him touching people or speaking to people and their, their, their limbs restored or their lives restored. The demonic oppression that was on their lives, no longer there. He, they're seeing that and they're intrigued. They're, they're, they're like, I have to find out more about who this guy is that can do these things just at his command. How can he do that? The re- religious leaders are also there and they're upset because he breaks the rules that they think are supposed to be there. All the rules that they've put in place to establish this is what it looks like to be a faith follower. He seems to be breaking them. For instance, on the Sabbath, they're... Their holy day, which for them would have been on Saturday, Saturday, you're not supposed to do anything. No work, nothing whatsoever. Those who are still practicing um, uh, those customs today, 
if say for instance if you lived in in an elevator or in an elevator if you lived in an apartment you'd want to make sure that the elevator had a cycle for the sabbath and that it would just continuously run and it would stop on every floor because pushing the button to go to your floor would be an act of work so they took it very seriously zero work but jesus would do work on the Sabbath. He would heal people on the Sabbath. He did not like that. A day of rest that God had intended for us, not to rule us. They had switched that around. And they're asking Jesus for signs and wonders that can prove that he should be able to share this message and live this way. They wanted something bigger than just miracles of healing and things like that. They wanted something so spectacular that says, okay, we got to give it to you. You have the right to do these things. They wanted a sign like that. Jesus has released a man from demon possession, and he's teaching with authority that seems beyond anything that anyone has ever seen before. So much so that his own family thought that he was losing his mind because he's going everywhere, doing all these things, and he's speaking with authority that they didn't even understand. So with crowds pressing in on him to see miraculous signs and religious leaders pressing in on him to, to find out who he really is and his parents pressing in on him to stop making waves and just calm down a bit. Jesus was in a house and he'd been speaking and sharing in this house, but there was too many people gathered in the house and the crowds were all around him. And so he had left that house trying to get away from it. And yet they followed him. The crowds were so intrigued. The people were so intrigued by who he was. They followed him all the way down to the shore, to the sea. And there on the shore, he jumps into one of the boats of the fishermen, the disciples that were following him. And he jumped into the boat, and he would just go just a little bit offshore. And if you've ever been to a lake or a cottage or a trailer or something like that, you know that when you're out on the water, it acts like a natural amphitheater going back to the shore, doesn't it? Especially when you, you don't necessarily want to and you're out there and you're just yelling and you're screaming and stuff like that and you're having a lot of fun and everybody in the whole lake can hear you having that fun and doing that. It's really loud. But Jesus does this. He goes out into the lake and he's there and he just, he decides that's going to be his amphitheater so that everybody can hear. And that's the situation that's going on. That's where he is at this moment that he shares this parable. He says this, and we're going to be reading from Matthew 13, 1 to 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. While all the people stood on the shore, then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And then the disciples came to him and asked, 
why do you speak in parables? Or why do you speak to the people in parables? And he replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but not, did not hear it. Listen, then, to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is a seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a little time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now, even with Jesus giving us the meaning of this parable, there's still lots for us to work through. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the depth and the richness that it offers us. And we just pray that as we dive into this parable, look at what it means. Pray that we'll be able to look at how we can apply to our lives to our situations, to the, the world and the culture around us. May we be truly receptive to seeing your word planted in our lives and growing. We thank you for, again for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's dive into some of the things that we see in here. The seed. The seed is the message of the kingdom. It's the gospel of Jesus. It's an invitation to that wedding feast that we talked about last week. And he refers to it as a seed that gets planted. It's not an idea or an ideal. It's a real kingdom that we enter upon confession of faith. And yet it's a kingdom that has yet to be fully realized. We plant that seed, we enter that kingdom, but that kingdom both flourishes in our lives, but when Jesus returns, we'll enter into it fully. And just like a seed that gets planted in the ground, it begins to produce something in our lives. Something grows from that seed. The seed isn't the kingdom itself. It's the knowledge and the understanding of the kingdom that we sink deep into the soil of our hearts and minds. 
What are the soil types that this, this seed lands in? If the seed is to be planted on us, the meaning our hearts are that soil, then the parable says something about, for us to understand about the different soil types. Now that first soil, the soil beside the path, it's not the path itself, but it's right next to it. And if you've ever walked on a path, you know that the soil right next to it, the ground right next to it, it isn't as hard as the path, but it's not rich, loose, tender soil that you would plant in. It's kind of that in-between zone. It's kind of hard, kind of soft, but not great for planting in. And it's often that part of the path that it gets compacted by different things in our lives. And Jesus describes these people as ones who don't understand the message of the kingdom. There's been some compacting in their lives that have made the seed just sit on the top rather than find its way deep into the soil, deep into their hearts. The heart of this person cannot understand the kingdom. And so the enemy, like that bird, comes and snatches and takes away what could have been. This is potentially that hard-hearted person, potentially somebody jaded because of life, who's closed themselves off from hearing anything other than what they already want to know and believe. They like what they are, and they don't want to change, or they're stuck where they are, and aren't willing to be broken and loosened to be receptive to the Word. In these, in these conditions, the Word cannot grow. The seed cannot grow in them. The seed was sown in their heart, but their heart was too closed to really receive it. And the enemy made sure that it was stolen away. Maybe somebody shared the word with them. Maybe somebody had spoken words of life about Jesus to them. But their, heart was, their heart was just so hard they would not let it in. And then the enemy will come along and snatch it away and use something else to destroy to disturb them or take them away from it or use something in the news to, to, to uh, say, you know what, that gospel isn't for you anyway. Look, all those preachers are, they're just villains anyway. They're just taking offerings to steal from you and doing whatever. He'll lie to you in order to see that seed stolen away. The next soil was the rocky soil. It's different than the soil along the path. There's some looseness to it. It's, it. It can be planted. The seed can make its way into the ground a little bit, get a little buried under there, let some moisture in there, and start to sprout. The moisture content is there just to open it up and get it going, and you see it popping up and, and starting to grow, starting to produce that small seedling. They hear the good news of Jesus. It's readily accepted. But receiving that seed, receiving the good word, means change needs to take place in us. Something growing in us requires us to act, requires us to live by those kingdom principles. And this soil has something stumbling that person, the, the heart from growing this way. There's some rocks in it, and those roots can't get, get deep inside the heart. The rocks keep the, the, the roots from getting deep. They keep trying to penetrate, but they can't penetrate those, those rocks that are there. When in life we're faced with challenges because of our belief in this kingdom, God requires us to respond as kingdom citizens. This soil, though, does not. Their faith was only an inch deep. 
under it was rocks that the roots could not penetrate. And under the heat and pressure, their faith, this little seedling, wilts. There's no roots to continually draw new moisture or new water into it to help it survive those things. There's nothing to secure it when the tests of faith come. Their hearts are too crowded with the ideals that are contrary to God's ways. There's something immovable in their lives, in their heart, that they won't let God touch. And it blocks the growth of the kingdom in their hearts. The foundation that their hearts are set in won't receive it, won't receive God's word, won't allow him to break up what's there and let those roots grow deep. The next soil was soil among the thorns. And it says still other seed was planted in the hearts of those that had thorns in the soil of their hearts. Those thorns choked out the life of the seed. Similar to how if you, if you have a lawn, you've seen your grass choked out by weeds. Our lawn, when we first moved into the house, was, looked really nice because the previous owner had probably spent a lot of time and money making sure the lawn looked really nice in order to sell the house. And now, after a couple of years, there's, there's lots of clover, there's lots of crabgrass, there's lots of dandelions. And when we have these dry patches, and you know how your lawn gets nice and dry, and it starts to go from green to brown, you know, because it goes into like a, you know, i got to save myself time. And yet, you look out, and you find all these really green patches, right? And it's all the weeds that are sucking up all the life that's there. Dandelions never seem to fade, do they, in the hot summer sun? Their roots go so deep that they just suck out all the life, don't they? So too was it for this person. The weeds, and in this case they call it the thorns of life, have been planted in their hearts. And it's choking out the word. The word is still there. The word is still growing in their lives. But its power and its effectiveness has been cut off. So much so that it can't actually produce anything. There's nothing growing. They've accepted these seeds, these worries of the world. What does it mean to be successful in life? What do I need to be happy? It's also the lies of how money will solve all your problems. If you just have a little bit more, then you wouldn't have to worry about this. Not realizing that when you let that seed grow in your life, it becomes an insatiable weed that chokes out anything else. Because when you reach that next level, if I just had a little bit more, I wouldn't worry about this. But you reach the next level and there's another worry that you need a little bit more money to not worry about that one. And a little bit more to not worry about that one. And either worries of the world and how we're going to function and how we're going to make it or worries about finances chokes out. That's good seed. Hurt, pain, and eventual isolation comes as you become so thorny in your heart that no one wants to go near it. Now this person could continue to have that seed growing in their lives. Like I said, it's growing weakly in their hearts. But it's anemic, producing nothing. It's like an apple tree, not producing any apples. 
what the seed of the gospel was to produce in their lives. It never produces because they allow those worldly concerns and deceptions of wealth, not always combined, but either one of those or both of them, to choke out any fruitfulness in their lives. And like we touched on it last week in Matthew 21, 43, where Jesus says that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Which leads us to the good soil. Soil that is receptive to the word and understands it. That, and because of it, because it understands it, it produces a crop and has a harvest of 30, 60, or 100 times its size. Now, we would do best not to read too far into the, uh, the different amounts that the seed produces, 30, 60, or 100, and try to figure out, well, what does that mean? Is there something specific about those things? We don't need to read too much into it uh, because that would be a misuse of the parable to, to do that. All three outcomes are natural outcomes of some type of harvest. They're not actually, this isn't a supernatural harvest. This isn't something that's growing exponentially beyond uh, normal ability. When you think about uh, one apple seed can produce a whole apple, of, a whole tree of apples. The year after year is going to produce way more than 30, 60, or 100. Or you could think of uh, one corn kernel can be planted and turned into a corn stalk, which is going to produce a couple of stalks of corn that is way more than just another one corn kernel or wheat or barley and what it creates. All those, na- all those results are within normal yield amounts of the harvest. The point is, is that they're fruitful. The point is, is that they produce what was planted in them. This person receives the good news and lets that sink in. They let the seed of God's kingdom grow in them. Its root system grows deep in their life. It affects who they are completely. Their purpose to be a part of the kingdom of God and thus be fruitful is happening. And to understand means that they know how to apply God's word and live by that application. It doesn't mean that you can grab a Bible and you can open it up and you can understand every little bit of it in any situation at any given moment. That's not what I mean when I say you understand the seed that was planted, the kingdom of God. What it means is that you understand that you absolutely need Jesus every single day of your lives. You understand that you cannot do it on your own. That this kingdom life is only because of that seed that was planted in you. The fruit that you can grow is not because of you. Your soil, it's God's seed in you that is producing this good. It means you understand that you need to apply God's word in order for you to see that fruit in your lives. There's no other way. You understand that. You don't think you can just do it another way and get the same result. Their focus is to let their lives be used as God wishes. Just like in the Lord's Prayer where it says, Your will be done. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come in me. May the seed of your kingdom planted in my heart 
start to grow, to see that kingdom life happen. May it start to bring a return of kingdom fruit and the kingdom harvest throughout our lives. May we be good soil. Jesus ends the parable saying this, he who has ears, let him hear. Or in another account, he says it this way, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. What else are ears for? Just then to hear. But he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Why? Because some people are just not listening. The gospel is spoken, but they cannot hear it. Because they are a soil type that will not receive the kingdom of God. So hear what God is saying. In our culture today, everything is focused on the world figuring out, figuring you out so it can advertise to you what you want, what you like, or said in a different way, so that the world can sow rocks and thorns into you so that you cannot hear the meaning of the parable because you're deaf to its message. I saw a little video the other day, and it was uh, this girl picks up her, her, her husband's phone, and she starts going, baby, baby clothes, baby bottle, and everything like that, and speaking to the phone. So the phone, because the phone's always listening. And so she's doing that. So her husband, when he opens his phone and starts scrolling through Facebook or through whatever, all the ads that keep popping up in his phone are all baby-related. Everything in our lives is focused like that, to trying to figure out who you are and advertise to you what it thinks will make you happy. What it thinks will satisfy you. What it can do to trap you into the worldly things that will, that will offer you a kingdom here and now without having to obey a king. To try and choke out the word, God's word, the kingdom, that seed being planted in your hearts. So this leads us to the reason for the parable and the secrets of the kingdom. And this should help us be able to understand parables easier when we see this. Because he said, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance, in abundance. And whoever does not have, even what they have, will be taken from them. Sounds harsh. You, when you have, God will give you even more. If you only have a little bit, he's going to take that away from you too. We need to pay attention, though, to why this is happening. They were good soil. They were receptive to God's word. They were receptive to the kingdom being poured into them, being planted in them. And then when they received the kingdom... More of the kingdom flourishes in them because the, the fruit of that happens in their lives. They see it continually growing a harvest in them, and they see a greater vision and view of the kingdom because they allow God to keep growing in their hearts. And what little seed was thrown and scattered on those other soils, it gets choked out. And whatever else could have happened, whatever future fruit could have come from that, is snatched from them, taken away from them. 
because they will not receive it and let it grow in their hearts to produce that kingdom. He says, this is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not hear. Though hearing, they do not understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. Ever hearing, but never understanding. You will, need, you will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. And he says, for this people's heart have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn. And then what does he say? And I would heal them. By their own choices, they have become soil by the path, rocky soil, weed or thorny soil. By their own choices, they have become ones who cannot hear, cannot see. They've done this so that they can't accept the kingdom of God. Because if they could have, if they did hear what he was saying, if they did receive it, God would have healed them. God would have made of the whole. He would have invited them into the kingdom by their own choices. Their prophets had spoke to this. And we share their scriptures and history we live the same, we, we live this future uh, of what they heard when these prophets and the prophets of Israel used to speak to them and tell them, listen, this is what the future holds for you. This is what you need to do. And they would ignore him. They would ignore all their prophets and their teachers and leaders saying, this is the way that God has instructed us to go. We have to pay. We have to follow this. And they would ignore it. And they would, they would end up in demise. They would see Jerusalem destroyed like we talked about last week. They would see all this, these bad things happen when the, 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 the seed of the kingdom was, was not accepted. We, we are just future generations of that. We share their scriptures, their history. Yet as a group, they repeatedly turned from God, repeatedly let the hardness and the rocks and the thorns of the world deny the seed room in their hearts to be sown. But there's always some with soft hearts, always some that have soft soil to receive. Does it mean they're good? No, they're still full of sin, brokenness, but there's a softness and an openness to receive the good news of the kingdom of God. Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it and hear what you have heard but did not hear it. When you hear the word of God and you readily accept it, you are blessed. Throughout their history, many believed that the day that seed would come, that they would be, it could be planted, but they would not see it or hear it in their time. They had prophets and, and people in their history that longed for that seed being, being sown, but they never had a chance to see it. But we are blessed to be, in a, be alive in a time to be able to see God's kingdom expanding. So how does this help us understand parables? Well, we've been talking about parables and how they were meant to help us. And yet Jesus in this one said, I speak in parables so that they don't understand. 
which one is it? Does he speak to help us understand parables or does he speak or to help us understand the kingdom or does he speak in parables to confuse us and so we can't hear it and understand it? The answer is both. To those who are good soil, the parables will offer a rich metaphor for how they can truly come alive in the kingdom. And for those who cannot hear or cannot see, cannot receive it, the parables will remain a secret. They will remain silly stories that don't help them understand what kingdom life is really like. The good soil, that seed becomes life. It becomes a means to see the harvest and the fruit of God in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit, that love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Seeing all those things come alive in our lives because we've allowed God to plant them in our hearts. If we pause and we look at the situation, the soil, all all the different soil types, the soil is the same. The dirt is the same. The difference is the condition of the soil. The weeds, the rocks are packed hard. We've seen how these differences can come about. So how do we ensure our hearts are good soil today? Through hearing. And not just hearing with our ears, like it said, but the humble acceptance in our heart. The word of God must be obeyed, not just heard. It must be obeyed. In fact, Jesus, uh, in in the Hebrew-Israeli culture at that time, when they used the words to hear, it also implied obedience. You may be familiar, some of you may be familiar with what they term of the Shema, which means hear and obey. It's just simple obedience. The soil is potentially good in each human heart, but the difference is in the will. The difference is in how we want to receive the good news. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has the will to listen and obey, let them listen and obey. And this brings us to probably um, one of the least looked at portions of this parable. And that is the farmer who sowed or the sower. Little is said of who that sower is in any of the accounts. Uh, We've looked at it in in the book of Matthew, but Mark and Luke in their gospels, they both share this parable as well. So who does the, the sower represent? When it was first spoken and for us today, who was it? Well, the sower is God sowing his seed of his kingdom. God loves this world so much that he sent his son to save the world and to usher in the kingdom. We often focus on just the soil types. And maybe we spend a little bit of time wondering what the the seed represents. Or one might wonder if the the sower is God or if it's people who are sharing the word to others and maybe things like that. It's people who are evangelizing. And we often stop there and go, okay, well, it's probably something like that. We assume that's what it is. But Jesus himself in his explanation, if, we're, if we pay attention, in the second part, he said this. He said, listen to what the parable of the sower 
means. Could have said, listen to the parable of the kingdom or listen to the parable of the, the soils or something like that. But no, he chose to call it the parable of the sower. Because it's not about the seed or the soil. It's about the sower. It's about Jesus, God. God sowing his word everywhere because he is a loving and just God. Everyone has the same access to the kingdom of God because he sows indiscriminately. You'd think, well, a proper farmer isn't going to sow on a path or he's going to see rocks and thorns and stuff and go, I'm not going to sow there. He's only going to find good soil and only only sow seed there. But he doesn't. He takes the seed and he spreads it and he says, everyone has the opportunity to hear the kingdom, to hear the good news of the kingdom. Everyone has the opportunity to receive it. What condition are you in to receive that seed? Often we can think that God is being, like I said, unfair. And he hasn't made a way for everyone to come to him. We can look at it and go, like, how does people in a different culture or a different religion or anything like that have access to the kingdom of heaven? But God has repeatedly said through his word that you can find him. If you are looking for him in his kingdom, he will not remain hidden from you. That seed can be planted in your hearts. No matter where you are, who you are, what condition is your heart in to receive that? David once wrote this. He says, who is man that you are mindful of and humans that you care for them? It's not about us. It's not about us. It's not about who we are. It's about who he is. You who have ears to hear, may you hear that the kingdom of God is here. It's ready to be planted in your hearts and grow. Listen and follow his ways to fruitfulness and then to live in his kingdom forever. Let's pray. God, we just thank you that it's, it's all about you and how great you are and how awesome you are in our lives. That despite the brokenness that this world uh, tries to have us stuck in, despite uh, the brokenness that we sometimes can't get out of ourselves because we just keep tripping ourselves up. God, being good soil doesn't mean being perfect. It means just being receptive to say, God has a way for me that I can't do on my own, that I need his seed planted in my heart to see that kingdom come alive in me. So God, I pray that all of us here today would be able to examine ourselves in this moment and see that we would be good soil to allow your word to come in, that we'd be able to hear it and obey, that we wouldn't have hearts that are too hard to allow you in. We wouldn't have hearts that are full of ideologies and ideas that block that block your your seed from growing deep in our hearts. God, that if there would be any thorns and things in our lives that would choke it out, God, that you would help us see them for what they are and remove the lies of the enemy, remove those thorns from our hearts so we could be a good soil.
We thank you that you sow indiscriminately. You just throw your seed everywhere so that all can come to the saving knowledge of who you are. God, may we live that same way. May we live that same way, not being prejudiced to anybody around us, but whether they may or may not accept the kingdom of God. May we allow you to use us to sow your kingdom anywhere and everywhere we go. Thank you, Jesus. Pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.